Well, it's great to be with you this morning, continuing our series from Paul's letter to the Romans. How as Christians, we can live and experience a new life, living a life as God intended, where Jesus said, we may have life and have it to the full. And throughout this series, we've heard how as Christians, we can rejoice in a new hope, receive a new gift and embrace a new life enjoy a new freedom. And today's theme is where we can experience a new power. And don't we all, from time to time, love to experience a new power? Many of you will know I drive a red Mini. I'm not a petrol head, and do forgive me if I've mentioned this before, but several years ago, I was given for the weekend, just the weekend, the use of a Ferrari California which I took down to my son's wedding uh, to the quintessentially English village of Bybury. And I, for sure, experienced a new power. The speed of the car was immense. You put your foot down, you were thrown in the back of the seat, and uh, it was an acceleration I'd never, never experienced before. Uh, Now, after the wedding, on the way back to reception, uh, my daughter, Vicky, sat in the passenger seat. Uh, A little way down the road, a busload of Chinese tourists had just disembarked. And Vicky said, stop, stop the car, Dad, just opposite the bus, near the pub, stop the car. So I stopped the car, uh, and at the sound of the car, they all looked round, and the cameras came out. uh, And Vicky said, Dad, roof down, roof down. And it was one of those cars where you could just, you press the button, and the metal roof glided seamlessly back into the boot. Uh, Vicky sort of shook her hair a little. I know what the Chinese were thinking. They didn't know that she was my daughter. (laughs) And and as I drove away, some, dare I say, clapped. One or two bowed. And of course, (laughs) I didn't like it at all. But you know, that sense of power that I had experienced, it was so fleeting because I had to give the car back on Monday. But the power I'd like to focus on today is something that is the greatest power of all, the greatest power that one should desire and is available to all, for all that is who receive Christ as their savior. And this power, God's Holy Spirit, is given from God himself, where God, the creator of the heavens and earth, comes to live within us. It's where we can all be in relationship with him. And as we grow in faith, we can experience his power in us in many different ways. It's a power that will never, ever leave us, something we don't have to give back after the weekend. God is always with us for eternity, whether we're happy or sad, in sickness or in health, whether we're without hope, or hopeful. When we feel uh, helpless and lonely, perhaps just feeling inadequate, God is always with us with his Holy Spirit. And as King David wrote, even though when I walk through the shadow of the valley of death, when I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because you are with me. Even King David one of God's anointed, went through many hard times, but God was always with him. 
I remember a guy at work said, you Christians only believe because you need a crutch. And I reply, well, crutches can be very helpful at times. God is always with us, and this is something we should always remember. I mentioned God's power is available to all those who have faith in Christ. And Paul explains from our passage today that there are two ways to live, one with self in control and the other with God in control. So let me ask the question, who are you controlled by? And Paul mentions the word controlled three times in verses six to nine. And with a congregation of this size, and for those listening or viewing online, I'm sure there'll be people in each camp. In God's eyes, there is no fence to sit on. You're either in one camp or the other. So let's take a look at those, Paul says, who are in the self-controlled camp. And if that's you, every Christian here today has been in your shoes. Indeed, Paul himself was once that way too before he met Christ on the road to Damascus. Verse 5, Paul writes, those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. And Paul helpfully defines sinful nature in his letter to the Galatians, where he writes, the acts of sinful nature are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Verse 6, the mind in sinful man is death. Verse 7, the sinful mind is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. And verse 8, those controlled by sinful nature cannot please God. And part of that reason is that without Christ, we remain under God's wrath. The greatest thing we can do to please God is to receive Jesus as our Savior. And verse 9, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. In other words, you're alienated from God. And verse 13, if you live according to sinful nature, you will die. Paul doesn't mince his words here. Where we live a life without reference to God, where we just push him to one side and say, hey, I'm in the driving seat, I'm in control, then we remain under God's judgment and wrath. But the other way to live is where we can live our lives under the authority of Jesus, where he is in control, and where he sends his Holy Spirit into our hearts And the more we grow in faith, the more we will experience this new power. And the word experience, I think, is so important here. Experience is an occurrence or a happening which leaves a deep impression on us. And from a Christian viewpoint, it's an encounter. It's relational. It's God living in us through his Holy Spirit. This is our purpose in life. And you see how Paul compares these two ways of living. Verse 5, those who live according to the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. In verse 6, the mind controlled by the Spirit is life and peace. 
Verse 9, you, however, are not controlled by sinful nature, but by the Spirit. You see how there's a direct contrast that Paul is making here between self-control and God in control. In verse 11, if you have the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who lives in you. Rather than remaining under God's judgment and wrath, we have the promise of eternal life. And verse 14, those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. And it's so wonderful being a child of God, a daughter or son of God. In verse 16, Paul writes, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. There'll be many, many people here today who will testify that they're God's child. Not through what they've done, but by God's grace and mercy. And that's why we have a spirit of joy and peace. And there's no better feeling in life than to experience that power of God working within us. God is saying, you are mine. In verse 17, Paul writes, now if we are God's children, then we're heirs of God and co-heirs of Christ. And this inheritance, Peter says, is something that will never perish spoil or fade we become part of god's royal family and for those in the self-control camp never think that you're too good and that you don't need redemption and never think that you're too guilty for redemption i was speaking to a friend of mine dunk dyson who some of you will know who works for the street kids uh, in guatemala a charity there and he met a guy recently called louis who 20 years ago had left Guatemala to go to America. And soon after going to America, he joined the 18th Street Gang in Los Angeles and soon became a head honcho. He was involved in drug running, kidnapping, extortion, and killing. He was caught and and ended up in a maximum security prison and was there for 14 years. And as Mr. Big, he effectively ran the jail. People were so frightened of him. But one night, a Christian visited him in his cell where he gave him a message from God. He wouldn't tell Dunk what that message was. But that night, Louis gave his life to Christ. And he started to live a new life, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And he's now back in Guatemala, living a very different lifestyle, but with Christ at the center What I'm saying is nobody is out of reach of God if you have an open heart and an open mind. But in addition to Paul's observations, let me ask those in the self-controlled camp. Do you ever feel that there must be something more to life than this? Perhaps you're feeling you're lacking a true purpose in life, moving from one day to the next, searching for something but still feeling half-empty. Achieving a goal, but it's a goal that never really satisfies or fulfills. That was how I felt before becoming a Christian. But what Christ is offering is a new life where you can experience a new power. The power of God's Holy Spirit working through you where you feel sated. A peace of mind that you've never had 
before, where you become a child of God, glimpsing a future for you, how God intends. Well, if that's you and you feel the timing is right, why not ask God for his, to send his Holy Spirit to you today? Or if you feel you'd like more time to investigate this, then do ask Martin or myself or some of the other members here today. And we would love to share the hope that we have in Christ. And for those of us who are Christians, let me leave you with three Gs. I thought 5G may be a bit too much this morning, but three Gs. Firstly, living a new life in Christ, we must pray for the power of godly living. You may well have heard Edward speak a couple of weeks ago from Romans 7, where Paul often did the things he shouldn't do and didn't do the things that he should. And how the Christian life is such a difficult balancing act. The Apostle Peter wrote about abstaining from the sinful desires which war against your soul. And in verse 12, Paul said, Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation not to the sinful nature, but as to how Christ would like us to live. But we do have a helper where in verse 13, Paul writes, By the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of your body. And in the next verse, Paul writes, as sons of God, you are led by the Spirit. And brothers and sisters, there is a spiritual battle in which we live today. And the Holy Spirit leads us, guards us, protects us. And he fine-tunes our conscience where we can say no to worldly stuff. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. We have a helper in our spiritual battles. The hallmarks of a mature Christian are evidenced by a spirit-controlled life. And as such, we should be distinctly different from those who are hostile to God. Secondly, living a new life in Christ, the Holy Spirit gifts us for ministry. In verse 5, Paul writes, But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. I spoke last month where the Holy Spirit gifts each and every one of us. Yeah, every one of us. And the Holy Spirit's desire is for us as a church is to let the fruit of his spirit manifest himself in us to become a catalyst for change. And also for us to utilize the gift that he's blessed us with. So that we together as a church use these gifts for the common good so that God may be glorified. The early church in the book of Acts experienced this new power where there was a real eagerness to proclaim and teach the good news of Jesus. Believers, it says, were devoted to the apostles' teaching, to prayer and communion. Miraculous signs were done by the apostles. And brothers and sisters, we too can experience the same power if we work together to help nurture that biblical faith, offer gospel hope, and show Christ-like love to our hurting parish and town and community today.
the early church grew very quickly with that committed and united band of believers. And so can ours today, if we have that same, same mindset, the Holy Spirit never changes. And let's always remember that God can do immeasurably more than all we can ask and imagine. And finally, in response to all that Christ has done for us, let's show God a wholehearted gratitude with our thanks and praise. Gratitude for a new life, a life of meaning and purpose, a life where we're never alone, where we can experience his power even in our darkest times. And if there are people going through tough times where the world seems against you, then do cry out to God for you to experience his power, his power where you can encounter his patience, his self-control, his faithfulness and peace, his power he can give you, that spirit of perseverance. And don't we all need that from time to time? It's so important to commit to God these situations where we have a sense of helplessness. Pass that baton to him. It's far better with that baton in his hands. And let's give gratitude that through Christ's death on the cross, through faith in Jesus, we have no fear of the future as his spirit dwells within us. And we become his adopted children with all the privileges of a natural child, heirs that we may share in his glory with our eternal future secure, where we may say, Abba, Father, as we sung earlier, Abba, Aramaic for Father, expressive of a special, intimate relationship with God himself. Let me close with a prayer. Father God, we thank you for your word where there are clearly two ways to live. And I pray that everyone here today, either in church or listening online, will confess that Jesus is their Lord. And please, Holy Spirit, help us all to experience your power as we grow in faith. And may godly living, giftedness, and gratitude increasingly become the outworking of our Christian faith so that we may glorify you more and more in all that we do and think and say. Amen.